Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. You are tuned in to the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Welcome. This is Jared and Connor today. Uh, how you feeling? Good. Really good. We're having a really nice snowfall here right now. And we just ate dinner. We made chicken pot pie. Homemade. Homemade. And we're actually, we're leaving tomorrow. We're going to Kentucky. And we have all of these vegetables are in our refrigerator. And we thought, oh, no, <laughs> we have to use these. This is, our, this is our chance, is to use these. So we cut up a full bag of carrots, a full head of broccoli, a full head of cauliflower, and we put it in this pot pie. So it was, it was almost all vegetables. And then there was chicken in it. Sweet. Yeah. Did you do? How about the dough? What did you use for the? Is it homemade dough? Yeah, we did. So I started doing sourdough. So we made a sourdough biscuit topping, and we just we usually when we make pot pie, we'll do individual biscuits around the top of it. But this time we made one biscuit dough and we rolled it out and then placed it so it covered the entire top. Like a nice blanket. Yeah, it was a blanket of biscuit. It was great. It turned out really well. We had never done it that way before. Yeah, that's a good way. I and mean, that's more classical pot pie, right? It's just a, you know, a nice blanket over the top. and then. Yeah, I think so. I don't know why we've never done it that way. Maybe because it's not traditional as far as it's not a pie crust. It's a, okay. It's a biscuit. So it gets... It's flaky and it rises a lot. You're drinking an IPA. You told me about this IPA the other day that it is, you know, you sent me a picture and you're like, oh, have you ever heard of this? I'm like, I don't know what that is. What is that? Okay. So it's non-alcoholic. There's lots of brands out there. This one is Athletic Brewing Company. This oh, I've is, heard of them. Yeah. This has started um, popping up everywhere. We, we find it in liquor stores all the time. Um, in a lot of places that just sell beer. So they're, they've started expanding a lot. This is a hazy IPA, which I really like IPAs. And I can't tell the difference. Hmm. Not that I'm uh, a raging alcoholic. I don't know mm -hmm. why. But okay, so what's what do you think the purpose of non-alcoholic? Like you, do you genuinely like the taste of IPAs? Yes. Yeah, I genuinely feel buzzed. I... Here, for me, this is my thing, and I think it's probably different for other people. I like the taste of beer. I also really like the ritual of ending my day with a drink. So during the week, if I have this ritual, it's end work, take Annie for a walk, make dinner, have a drink while I'm making dinner. And I just, I really like that ritual of, I look forward to it. It's, it's kind of a signal to myself of, okay, now we get to relax. We get to have dinner. I'm going to have a drink. I only, I only need one drink, one or two drinks or three, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the taste of it. 
Okay. And and the ritual. Does it have to be a beer? Some sort of alcohol like synonym? Or is can like you have like kombucha? That's a good question. Yeah. I think so just because I know a lot about habit forming, in general, it's harder to change your routines. It's easier to replace a piece of your routine with something else. So in theory, my routine could stay the same and I could replace my vice, which is alcohol, with anything, yeah. anything that I enjoy. So it could be non-alcoholic. It could be kombucha. It could be tea. Really, anything. This feels closer. This is less of a departure right now. But I mean, this could evolve into other special drinks that I view as kind of a treat. Right? (laughs) Yeah. That's very insightful. I like that. You're so good at habit forming. This is what you do for a living. So you're very good at 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 recognizing things in other people and giving I mean, giving good advice. Like it's easier to change a piece of your habit rather than flip flop a whole habit, especially when the habit's not totally detrimental. I mean, it's, it's a oh good ritual, yeah, you know yeah we we need to do we need to do a whole podcast about this because it's really hard to change our routines because that's our default in our brain. If if I've spent years reinforcing this routine of end my work day, go for a walk, have a drink, make dinner. It's really hard to get out of that cycle because our brains really like patterns and they really like doing things that doesn't require a lot of thinking. Mm-hmm. So if I try to radically change that routine, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of thought, and a lot of intention. At the end of my day, I have none of those things, right? Decision fatigue sets in, physical and mental fatigue set in. So it's way easier to say, all right, I'm going to keep this routine, and I'm just going to change that one thing, and I'm just going to choose... Again, something that's not a huge departure. It's a non-alcoholic beer or it's kombucha or it's something else I really look forward to. Chocolate milk. There you go. Chocolate milk. You know you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, or you could you could heat up some some breast milk. Yeah. <laughs> This was crazy that you mentioned this the other day. It came out of nowhere. We were talking about vegetable oils. And they're detrimental to all of humanity in the world, really, mm-hmm. and how they came to be. Um, and I think you mentioned, like, they causes they've been shown to cause cancer and things like. That. We're not going to get into vegetable oils today, but then boob milk came up. Uh, sorry, breast milk, mm-hmm. and how it it helped this one individual basically knock down his his cancer levels to next to, to nothing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he's an older, fully, you know, grown adult in his sixties. And that was like really, really interesting. And, and it kind of went down this path where, where you like exploded like breast milk and like all the benefits, of course, for kids, but not only for kids, but for a general health aspect. And this is something that's, was kind of tab is kind of taboo in a way in our culture, uh, just 
I mean, it's always right. It's, it's been kind of controversial breastfeeding in public, even if mm. you have an infant, even if it's covered up. Right. And mm-hmm. from that, I think the whole, the whole surrounding idea of, of breastfeeding and breast milk is kind of taboo and kind of hushed up and kind of done behind closed doors. And people don't really talk about it, um, as, as much, but other countries around the world, other cultures are like, this is like elixir, right? Life-giving for not only mm-hmm. kids, for for not just infants, babies, but for young kids up to eight, up to 10, up to 11, into like adulthood, which is super interesting. So yeah, let's get into it. Like, what is the deal with, with breast milk? Yeah, I went down this huge rabbit hole. So... I watched this this show. It's on Netflix. It's called Unwell. Unwell. And there's there's several episodes of this show, but there was one and the title of the episode was called Bulking Up with Breast Milk. And I thought, "What? <laughs> what? I don't yeah, understand." Super weird yeah. yeah, I don't understand. And so, of course I watched it and the the show follows three storylines. It follows a storyline of a bodybuilder. It follows the storyline of some moms that are selling their breast milk online. And it follows a storyline of an older guy who was diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer. So these storylines are all really interesting. Um, They're all very different, yeah. Yeah, they're all very different. And also it was this entire, like you said, this entire taboo world of people using breast milk for a lot of different reasons other than what it was originally intended for. And the whole, the bodybuilder storyline, I still, I still don't understand why bodybuilders would be interested in drinking breast milk. And so people who are listening, basically that storyline of the show is saying there's a subset of this population, the population being people that are into fitness, bodybuilding, powerlifting, that are choosing to supplement with breast milk the same way that you would supplement with whey protein powder and it it boggled my mind and I started to think well what's what's in breast milk that would appeal to an athlete and I I still really don't know because I looked up the nutrient profile of breast milk and do you want to know what it is yeah if you if you saw it on a shelf it wouldn't appeal to you so looking at it it's it's very little protein. It's 1% protein. So in a cup of breast milk, it's 2.5 grams of protein. So if you compare that, yeah, yeah it's, it's hardly anything. If you compare that to yeah. whey protein powder, it's very little protein. It's primarily, it's 87% water. It's 7% carbs and it's 4% fat. And it's primarily saturated fat. Hmm. So you look at that and you think, if there was any other drink on the market with that nutrition label on it, as an athlete or a bodybuilder, 
would you be drawn to something like that? No, not at all. I mean, especially in the bodybuilding space, we're all constantly looking to bulk, right? Yeah. Not constantly, but you know, you, that's a big goal. A common goal is bulking or cutting. Mm-hmm. And none of those macronutrients would be very attractive. No, not at all. And so this is something I'm still really curious about is I don't know if there's been studies done about this. And maybe this is a study that is yet to happen. But is there is there anything in breast milk that encourages like muscle recovery, muscle building? I don't know. I have I have no idea. Well, that's too. In that episode, they talk about the amount of studies that have been done on human breast milk, HBM, right? And it's like 13,000 different studies, Mm -hmm. which is less than black coffee. And it's the first thing that humans consume generally. It's breast milk, Mm -hmm. unless you go as a formula baby. Right. And there's, there's fewer studies on it than black coffee, which is nuts. Oh, yeah. It's... It's, it seems it's, crazy. So it's it's not crazy that like there is no studies for bodybuilders and there's no studying what the potential effects could be later, right? But yeah, there's. I mean, for infants, it's pretty well known that this is really supportive of their immunity, cardiovascular disease, brain mm-hmm. function. I I got really curious about that because so I I started listening. So this again, I went down the rabbit hole of okay, what is it, what's in breast milk that's good for kids? Because then you have to wonder if it's good for kids and that maybe that translates into adulthood. And you're right, it's, there's, there's HMOs found in breast milk. So these are human milk oligosaccharides, which are short-chained fatty acids and they do a lot of really good things for you. They feed your gut microbiome, which there's been tons of research done on how your gut microbiome impacts tons of aspects of your health, including brain health, right? And then it basically, these HMOs, they also help regulate your immune system. So for babies, this stuff is really, really good. It's, it's feeding your gut bugs, and it's basically safeguarding your immunity. Right. Um, yeah, I read that is it was babies were eighty eight percent less likely to die from infectious disease throughout their adult lifehood uh, for mm-hmm. like a whole lifespan if they were breastfed versus mm-hmm. formula fed. And it's crazy because there have been uh, a refuting accounts for against breast milk in the past couple decades. Right. Like put your babies on formula. Doctors saying yeah. put your babies on formula. Breast milk is not good for the babies. Which is seems so nuts. Yeah, you have you have to wonder why is that? Is it because you can make money off of formula? And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I think I think formula has a place because I think there are mothers who cannot breastfeed their children. But you're right; it's it's interesting why that would happen, and if you. If you look even further, they've done studies on kids who have been breastfed for six months or longer. So they have to have been breastfed for at least six months. Mm -hmm. These kids 
have a higher reduction in cancers like leukemia as, as children. So that's crazy. So right there, we already know, oh, there's something to this breast milk that's preventing or reducing the risk of cancer in kids. They've even looked at moms and they've studied the mothers who have breastfed their children for at least six months. The moms have a significant reduction in developing breast cancer later in life. That's pretty cool. That is interesting too. Yeah. And so I, it's... I think, so going off that too, like I, neither one of us have kids. So we're mm-hmm. merely, you know, kind of studying this and, and being spectators and taking it all in. Uh, but when you get pregnant, right, you, the, you're, if you're the, the mom, her whole body chemistry changes as well. So there have been accounts too of, um, you know, a mom potentially having a disease or having a precancerous, uh, system going on or cells getting pregnant. And then that stuff being wiped out mm. and she's able to go to term with the baby, which is, there's a, such an interesting relationship there. Um, not only in those nine months, but for a lifetime. The human body is amazing. Yeah. It, that's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as uh, getting back to like more breast milk and, and, and from uh, unwell, uh, I guess what if we talked about some of the real life accounts with the bodybuilder, um, but I guess, like, what have they discovered? Have they discovered anything um, about breast milk yet that says this is what is happening? This is why, like, with the cancer patient, he was diagnosed. He started drinking breast milk, and within two weeks, his his levels were completely gone. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he or it wasn't two weeks; it was six months, I think. He went and retested his blood. And his blood were totally back to normal. He called his surgeon and was like, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to have surgery. Um, and then he stopped drinking breast milk. His levels went back up. Mm-hmm. So his cancer spiked back up. And then he started drinking again. His levels went back down. So is there anything that they found out? Why? Yeah. That whole storyline in that show is just wild to me. And what they found. So there's actually, there was a university in Sweden This lab was the one that was in the show Unwell. There's other universities and other laboratories that are studying this same thing. Like there's a there's a lab in Prague that's also doing it. But this was back in 1994. So they discovered this naturally occurring molecule in breast milk, and it's called Hamlet. H-A-M-L-E-T. Hamlet. Hamlet stands for something I cannot pronounce. It's something, something made lethal to tumors. Okay. So the H, the H a part of that acronym, I cannot say (laughs) if you, if you type it in right now, I'll see if you can, if you can pronounce it. it. I'll try to give it our best shot. But yeah, H M H A M L E T. So it's H A made lethal to tumors okay. that was the acronym we'll, uh, i'll look it up here it's okay we'll pause and i'll kind of throw this yeah just, you, th- this you look it up for the for the live version so hamlet um breast milk 
Yeah, I th- that should pop up. Cancer. Um, further studies showed that Hamlet comprised of a protein. What uh, breast milk stand? What does stand for? It's it's a tumor killing complex. Okay, breast milk tumor killing. We're gonna find it. Okay, Hamlet. Human alpha lactalbumin. Yeah, I think that's it. Good job. <laughs> Human you know alpha what? lactalbumin made lethal to tumor cells. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice job on the pronunciation. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I was supposed to go on the spelling bee, um, but I didn't make it. So that was a that was, you know they can suck it. There are there are a lot of words I cannot say right. One of them <laughs> we discovered tonight. So what kind of vegetables are cauliflower and broccoli? It starts with a C. Cru- cruci- cruciferous? Yes. Good job. Cruciferous? Cruci- I'm pretty good. I'm pretty you're, good. You're pretty good. I was Let's saying... Let's hear you try. Let's hear you try. Okay. Well, I can say it you now say because it now. I've been okay. practicing, but I was, <laughs> I was saying... Um, sir, circumference, sir, sarcophagus, sucurfurus. Corey, come get your sucurfurus, the vegetables. Can you cut up the sucurfuruses? Babe! Yeah. (laughs) The circumference! (laughs) I just, I just could not say it. I'm impressed. Thanks. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with you. You got it down, what, that was only a half hour ago. Yeah, I said it a lot after that. (laughs) Okay. So I'll check back with you next week, see if we still got it. Yeah, I'll probably lose it. So Hamlet. Hamlet, yeah, Hamlet. So this is cool. They, what they did is they started testing. This was all done in a Petri dish at first. And we all know things that happen in a Petri dish don't always translate to the human body. So they started studying tumor cells in, in bladder cancer. They've done, and they, and they found that Hamlet, this tumor killing complex, this naturally occurring molecule in breast milk, it, it completely reduces the size of the tumor. It's, it's killing the tumor cell. They can see it in the Petri dish. At this point, they've done... They've done more human trials. They've done tons of animal studies on other types of cancers, and they all respond the same way. This molecule attacks the tumor cells. Not only does it reduce the tumor size, it does it without damaging the healthy cells. So we all know this is the biggest problem with chemo. These chemo drugs is that chemo kills the cancer cells, and they also kill the good cells. So this, this is huge. In my mind, this is, this is amazing. This is, they just found the cure for cancer in my brain. Yeah. I mean, chemo, it's very, you know, it's, it knocks out everything. It knocks out the whole system. Breast milk. I think that was the most interesting storyline in the show was this guy who, who, 
theoretically, I mean, all, all numbers say that he cured his cancer through breast milk. Yeah. Was, they, were, they were able to do this in vitro. Are they doing... So this Lund University, do you know if they're... That guy in the show was like... His whole thing was breast milk. And he mm-hmm. kind of stumbled on it by accident. And he's continued to study it over the, the next you know 20 years now he's been doing it. Uh, are they... Do you know if they're making any strides with as far as like further testing on actual humans? Um, I don't know. But I was curious as to why this amazing thing had been discovered but yet it doesn't seem like i mean we're not treating people using breast milk and i think it has to do with i'm gonna speculate here that they're continuing to research it but but i think what they have to do is they have to isolate they have to isolate this hamlet molecule and they have to create some sort of synthetic compound that mimics Hamlet. Does that make sense? So that way yeah. it can be produced in a factory. That's totally. way it can be, you know, distributed just, as a pharmaceutical. Very similar to like a potentially a vaccine. You take a spike protein and it's not the actual virus, but it's mimicking it. And you send it in, and you have that same immune response, but without the actual thing. Um, exactly. I mean, that's such a good point because a, how are you know we talk about, unfortunately, the money making side of healthcare, right? Big yeah. pharma. I mean, you can't monopolize and put money on on human breast milk because women only produce it when they have a kid, and usually it's just for that kid. Yeah, and the, as the show says, so there's some other other cases where you they're hypo, uh, like they lactate a bunch, and they're just like pumping all day long because it's a condition they have. Yeah, it's kind of rare, um, and from the standpoint of ethics of it, just like I kind of mentioned, usually that milk is produced by the mom, and it's just for the baby. And once mm-hmm. the baby gets of age, they she stops milking or breastfeeding, then that lactation goes away. So like logistically and ethically it makes sense that you'd want to reproduce that and see its qualities but make it artificial and then mass produce it if it really does work yeah so there's major there's major issues here in getting this to a place where you could distribute it in that way so I don't I don't know what the funding looks like behind this. I don't know what the clinical trials look like behind this. I don't know if they've been able to isolate this molecule and develop a synthetic compound. I was looking, I got really interested in just pharmaceutical trials in general and what that process looks like. It's as you can imagine, it's extremely regulated. It's there's lots of processes you have to go through. It gets, even after you go through clinical trials and you get approval, it's tested for toxicity. You know, there's an ethics committee. The FDA has to approve it for safety. It's a long, long process. Yeah. But the exciting thing is if this was discovered you know, in the 1990s, 
it'll just be interesting to kind of follow this research and see see how it develops because what's happening and this guy in the show with prostate cancer was just one one example of someone that's choosing this alternative medicine and is curing his own cancer. There's dozens of people who have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can find stories all over the internet of people saying, well, my my daughter was pregnant. As her father, I was dying of cancer. She gave me her breast milk and I'm still alive. I had terminal cancer that was inoperable. And thanks to her, I'm alive. And that's pretty amazing. Kind of gross. Yeah, kind of gross. I mean, it's your daughter's breast milk, but it it was life saving. It was life saving. I think it's that culture thing. It goes back to that because in Mongolia, they, as adults, they drink that shit all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, that's you know, the the guy's wife uh, had two kids recently. One was like four, and the other one was two. And they're like, "Yeah, we breastfeed until they are uninterested anymore." The kids, so Mm -hmm. that could be eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Once they're uninterested, then we'll stop breastfeeding. But as these mothers are breastfeeding, the husband's also drinking it, and then they went into account where. Um, the wrestler, the guy, you know, they're like, oh, it helps our kids grow up big and strong. And they become wrestlers if they drink breast milk for the longer into like 9, 10, 11 years old. And they went into a, a I guess wrestling's like a big deal in Mongolia. It's their mm-hmm. national sport. And then it goes to this guy. He's like in his early 20s and he's wrestling and doing this. He's like, yeah, I, I breastfed until 12 years old. And now my sister had a baby and I'm drinking her breast milk and it helps me feel strong and, and healthy. Yeah. And you know, it's a culture thing. Over mm-hmm. there, it's it's no big deal. It'd just mm-hmm. be like drinking fucking Mountain Dew here. Yeah. So yes, we think off the top of our heads, that's kind of gross. Because in some ways, we've sexualized that part of the body in the Western world. Mm-hmm. And then when you put it in our your family, well, then that's like taboo. Then it feels like mm-hmm. incestual almost. And it's yeah. it, it doesn't need to. It's just perception and feeling mm-hmm. um, like kind of like an outcast if you do it. And mm-hmm. honestly, if you have cancer, like that guy who's drinking his, you mentioned he has cancer, has drank his daughter's breast milk, um, he's still alive. There's a lot, not a lot of cases like that because, you know, it takes some balls to not go with the status quo of mm-hmm. listening to your doctor, getting an operation or, or going on chemo. A lot of people don't have that time. You know, yeah. cancer can come quick and pretty, pretty fucking ferociously that uh, no matter how many Google searches you do for alternative medicine, you might not find a breast milk type of thing. And you maybe you try it and it maybe it doesn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the limited limitations there, I could, I could totally understand. Um, and then let's go back to a bit of, of like for the general public as like a general health thing. Mm-hmm. I think that what they did presenting the other side because i did not expect this to present the other side like the no-nos of breast milk for adults um, oh, in yeah. our society right not just from mm-hmm. like oh it's gross but the fact that uh you know if you're a bodybuilder or you want to try to like get healthier or bulk up with breast milk because you heard about it you need a donor unless you have mm-hmm. like a spouse right so you need a donor 
the risk there is the spread of disease and infection. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's plenty of diseases that are spread through human secretion, including breast milk, hepatitis, oh, yeah. HIV, um, yeah. and then you maybe potentially mailing this breast milk to you and it's spilling or spoiling and you drinking it and you're getting sick. So I found that very interesting. I don't know if you knew anything else or want to dig further into that side of it in our culture. I agree with you. So, so interesting that people are choosing to take the risk. So like you said, they're if they don't know someone in their life, they're buying it online. They're buying it on the breast milk black market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's legit. Yeah, it's it's from an unknown source. There's it can be expensive. There can be contaminants in it. We have no idea. It's completely unregulated. Yeah. What I found interesting is so and this might go back to the ethical piece of okay, we know the risk. There's an ethical piece of this is such a big departure from what breast milk was intended for, which is the infant. And also learning that there are breast milk banks. The same way that we have blood banks, Mm -hmm. there are breast milk banks that receive donations of breast milk and then they pasteurize it the same way we pasteurize milk in our country. And then that goes, that's distributed to hospitals that need it. They need it for kids in the NQ units. And what what was interesting though is learning that they pasteurize it. And by doing that, they're removing harmful contaminants and bacteria and things like that. And they're screening it, but they're also removing a lot of good stuff. Right. And so yeah. the infant that's receiving it, prob- it, it's, it's better than nothing. The alternative is probably formula. And so I'm going to guess that this breast milk that's been pasteurized is going to be better for that infant. But that breast milk is also missing some things from it because it's gone through that process. Right. It's killing off the bacteria that is good for the baby that builds the immunity. Right. Right. That's what pasteurization does. It kills bacteria, good or bad. And each, I thought that was interesting. We talked about too, is each mom has like different kind of makeup of bacteria potentially depending on her body. Yeah. So, I mean, donor breast milk is never going to be perfect, but those milk banks are like life-saving yes and there's a national national shortage of breast Mm -hmm. milk they they can't meet the demand they they're serving hospitals and children in need and so for someone for an older adult who has cancer in order for them to access the breast milk at the bank they have to convince a doctor to write them a prescription to go get it Mm mm-hmm that's the ethical issue is, is a doctor going to write you a prescription for breast milk as an adult cancer patient when there's already a shortage of breast milk and kids that need it? Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, that's the moral dilemma, right? Yeah. 
you know, I mean, premature babies or babies given up. Yeah. I mean, they don't have that milk or like you said earlier, some mothers can't lactate. Some mothers won't be able to breastfeed. Yeah. They still need milk. They want to give their child the best chance at life. It's, it's so interesting. I think that's where more research needs to go into it from, from these guys in Sweden and other like leading researchers around the world of, I mean, how can we take this molecule and make it specific for cancer patients um, so we don't have to use breast milk? Yeah. Or is this potentially present in other places around Earth um, in different forms, variations? Because there's always going to be a shortage. I don't see how we're going to, no matter what, in order to get breast milk, you have to be reproducing. Yeah. So then you're bringing more in, you're adding, you're, you're solving the problem while also adding to the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the issue. I don't know if it's a problem. Having babies is a great thing. Um, but sometimes, yeah, that their issues get presented. You, you I think wanna... the ethical side is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. You want to know something interesting? It dawned on me recently. I had a good friend of mine. She's had a few kids. I was at her house. This was years ago. This was probably five years ago. And I was at her house and her friend called her on the phone when I was there and said, Hey, Nikki, can I stop by to get an ounce of breast milk? I have, she, um, I think, I think she had, she, she injured herself. She had a scrape or something and it was infected. Yeah. And Nikki was like, yeah, course 100% stop on by and I said what <laughs> what and Nikki turned to me and she said I didn't know this but breast milk is magic huh. it's it's magic that's what she told me her friend came over grabbed an ounce of breast milk put it I don't know had a cloth put it on her her wound like and put it topically yeah she didn't drink it. She topically, like, you know, topically put it on her skin. Okay. Put it on her skin. And I thought, huh, I didn't know that. That's alternative and interesting. No judgment. <laughs> but I yeah. thought that's a little strange. Yeah. And now, learning about this, I'm thinking back to that time. And I agree. It's magic. I, it is magic. Did you ever follow up with her and be like, hey, how's that? Milk going on no, because this was so, this was so long ago, and yeah. this wasn't my like my friend gave her the milk, but her friend I don't know her, the oh, okay, friend that actually you. used it I don't know yeah. her. So, but in in that mom community that they were in, they all knew the magic of breast milk. Hmm. That's why they call it liquid gold. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was I would assume once you get pregnant. You're like, whether you're a mother or father, um, you're going to be like hounding and like how, okay, we got to prepare everything. Like what's the best things to do? Best, you know, lighting for a kid. How does breast milk work? When to feed? What direction should I face the yeah. crib? East, west, no, like what root, like everything. So that becomes like breast milk is, I would assume is near the top because it, it's so important uh, that you start like trading ideas and discovering different things. And I'm sure there's like a deep, deep mm -hmm. inner circle of breast milk and breastfeeding moms out there that are just like know all the inner, inner deets. Oh yeah. I bet it's this ancient home remedy 
Yeah. I bet if you dig into it, home remedies of breast milk come up all the time. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Anyways, um, do you want to add anything else? Do you want to wrap up? Yeah, I think, anything I think that's it. I think that was the end of my rabbit hole for now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I would suggest if you guys are interested, more interested in this, go on Netflix, check out Unwell. I think it's episode number three. It's called uh, bulking up with breast milk and it's very uh, informative, very interesting. It is there to entertain, uh, but it presents both sides of it very well, which I really appreciate it. It's not like, you know, you're, you're catering to one side and this is the one cure all. It's a conspiracy. It's, it's very, very informative and very well done. So that whole series is great. I would check it out and then, um, yeah, uh, dig more into it if, if you're if you're more interested from there. Um, Connor, this was great. I love this topic. It's very different, very interesting. And uh, man, this was great. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. Cool. All right, guys. We'll be back next week.